If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Call all hands, beat to quarters. Run out the guns, stand by this Talbot battery. One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Lint stops ready. Eyes are ready. C.S. Forrester's Indomitable Man of the Sea, Horatio Hornblower. constant determination to appear strong and taciturn to my officers and men. I feared of showing the slightest unbending lest it be construed as weakness. These things imposed on me the strain of eternal vigilance. Yet, even without these unnatural restraints, there was enough on my mind. Although I never discussed my problems with Lieutenant Bush, he was aware of them. as everybody else appeared to be. Land, after seven months at sea. I desired passionately to rush on deck, but I must appear imperturbable and confident to my crew. So I forced myself to cross my knees and sip coffee with an air of unconcern. 
Gerard sent me to tell you land's in sight on the larboard bow. Uh, <clears throat> well, tell Mr. Gerard I shall come on deck when I finish my breakfast. All right, sir. Miss, Mr. Savage! Mr. Savage! Sir! I forgot to close my door, Mr. Savage, and please don't make so much noise on the companionway. Uh, yes, sir. Very good, sir. Uh, by the way, um, what does the land look like? It looks like a burning mountain, sir. Two burning mountains. Volcano, sir. The news almost brought me leaping from my chair. I called up a picture of the chart I had studied for so long in the privacy of my cabin. True, there were volcanoes all along this coast, and yet, yet the entrance to the Gulf of Fonseca would undoubtedly be marked by two volcanoes. Was it possible that after 11 weeks out of sight of land and after quarreling with my navigating officer, whom I considered a fool, that I'd made a perfect landfall? I rose and remembering just in time to saunter, went on deck. What's all this? Has no one in this ship anything to do? Mr. Wood, I'll trouble you to send for the cooper and arrange for the filling of the water casks. Mr. Gerard, get the royals and stunsels off her. I think I can see the smoke from the deck now, sir. Will you take my glass? Uh, I shall go to the fort a gallant masthead. Mr. Gerard, please send all hands to dinner. Aye, aye, sir. I'm going below. Send a reliable man with a good glass to the fort a gallant masthead. Aye, aye, sir. Dinner of fat salt pork in the tropics was not attractive. But I forced myself to eat before the gaze of my steward, who was watching my every movement with suppressed excitement. All wheel. Sir? Put out my best coat and put the new epaulettes on it. Clean breeches and best white stockings. Buckled shoes. Save the buckle shine. And the sword with the, with the gold hilt. Aye, aye, sir. And uh, please give Lieutenant Bush my compliments and desire him to step into my cabin. that you should know the main provisions of our enterprise. Should anything untoward uh, occur to me, you would thus be able to act accordingly. Very well, sir. Well, the first part of the orders cover our voyage so far. They required the utmost secrecy so that no hint could reach our Spanish enemy of the approach of a British frigate to the Pacific shores of her possessions. I was therefore entirely prohibited from coming within sight of land until arriving at the Gulf of Fonseca. Begging your pardon, sir, but... Uh... I swear that order was penned by a landsman. It's not impossible. The order's been carried out, Mr. Bush. Well, only because you were in command, sir. If you'd let Crystal have his way last week, 
We'd have altered course and sailed slap into the Gulf of Panama and given the whole thing away. Mm. We'll confine ourselves to fact, Mr. Bush. On arrival at the Gulf of Fonseca, I am requested and required to form an alliance with Don Julian Alvarado, who's a large landowner here. Alliance, sir? With a Spaniard? Mm, Don Julian intends, with our help, to rise in rebellion against the Spanish monarchy. And I carry arms and ammunition for him. I'm to do all in my power to ensure the success of his rebellion. I am, if necessary, to present him with one or more guns from the ship. And um, also, I carry 50,000 guineas in gold, which I may disperse if I consider the rebellion would fail without it. No wonder such secrecy was imposed, sir. Exactly. Secrecy is still essential, Bush. There are other orders into which I cannot go at the moment, but I may add that the Spaniards are believed to maintain in these waters a two-decked ship of 50 guns. It's named the Natividad. And I am required to take, sink, burn, or destroy the Natividad at the first opportunity. Take a two-decker with 50 guns? Mm -hmm. With a 36-gun frigate? Battles have been fought and won against greater odds than that, Mr. Bush. Oh, I know, sir, but Whitehall takes advantage of it now. If we should lose such a battle, no excuse would be accepted. trappings of the breaches, tugged their tackles to draw the guns inboard, rammed home the powder and shot, depressed the muscles, and ran the guns out through the open ports. Ship clear for action, sir. Ten minutes, twenty-one seconds. Uh, well, send a good man with the lead into the main chains and make ready to anchor. two Latin sails and manned by half a dozen swarthy men. She hove to fifty yards away and a voice hailed in Spanish. Owing to my two years of imprisonment in Spain, I was fortunately familiar with the language. Señor Commandant, Guardi Capitain, si? Si, Captain Horatio Hornblower of His Britannic Majesty's Frigate Lydia at your service, sir. Whom have I the pleasure of welcoming? Manuel Hernandez, uh, Lieutenant General of El Supremo. The name El Supremo puzzled me. As near as it could be rendered into English, it meant the Almighty. It is not to El Supremo that my orders are addressed. Until lately, our Lord El Supremo was known to his men as His Excellency Don Julian Maria de Jesus de Alvarado de Montezuma. I see. Uh, well, it is Don Julian I wish to see. El Supremo commands you to his presence. Where is he? Surely it is enough to know that El Supremo requires your attendance. I would have you know, senor, that a captain of one of his Britannic Majesty's ships is not at anyone's beck and call. You can go if you like and tell Don Julian so. I spoke as though the interview was ended. But my haughty friend was obviously terrified at the prospect of returning to his El Supremo without me. Suddenly he explained that his lord's house lay on the side of the mountain. 
We must go through a small town, which was hidden from us by the curve of the land, and up the hill. I excuse myself for a moment. Uh, Mr. Bush, I'm going ashore. I hope to return soon. If I'm not back or have not communicated with you by midnight, you must take steps to ensure the safety of the ship. Here are my keys. At midnight, you will read the secret orders and act as you think proper. <coughs> yes, sir. Uh, do you think it is safe alone? I don't know, but I must go. Mr. Bush, a matter of uh, greater moment worries me. This Don Julian is a person of importance, and I represent our king. I... <coughs> Look, I charge you to be frank, Mr. Bush, and give me your considered opinion on what I'm about to ask. I will do so, sir. Well, think gravely about it, Mr. Bush. These uh, best white breeches and silk stockings, do you think they're um, <coughs> sufficiently immaculate to do credit to his majesty? Well, <coughs> uh, if I may say so, sir, your uh, turnout could pass at his majesty's court itself. Thank you, Bush. Yeah, I pray you may be right. And if there is any hanky-panky, sir... We'll bring you off if we have to move those volcanoes to do it. You will see after the safety of the ship first. Uh, <coughs> Senor Hernandez? Uh, <coughs> I am at your service, sir. That journey to Don Julian's house remains a nightmare to this day. As we left the boat and walked up towards the collection of palm-roofed houses which constituted the town... We approached a poor wretch of a man who was bound to a six-foot stake in the ground. The sun blazed on his bare head. His tongue was black and swollen. Aqua! Aqua! Water, for the love of God, water! What is this? Come, sir, it is only a man whom El Supremo has ordered to die. Uh, he is one of the unenlightened. He will die on the third day. They always do. But, but, what was this crime? As I said, he is one of the unenlightened. Behold, Senor, the house of El Supremo. I regarded my ruined stockings with dismay. The servants who surrounded us were dressed in the same mixture of finery and rags as Hernandez. One more splendid than the rest hurried towards us with a worried expression on his face. El Supremo has been kept waiting. Please come quickly. The door swung open to reveal a long room of glittering white. At its far end stood a treble dais, and in a canopied chair sat the man I had come half round the world to see. He didn't seem impressive, though Hernandez was cringing before him. A small, swarthy, fidgeting man with piercing black eyes and lank black hair. I suspected Indian blood mixed with his European ancestry. He wore a red coat laced with gold, a white stock, white breeches and stockings, gold buckles. I was mightily ashamed of my own soiled apparel. Sir, until my ship's needs are satisfied. Capitaine, you 
that the rating is supremo. I'm well aware of it. My water casks must be filled tomorrow. El Supremo's eyebrows lifted for a moment, but he too seemed to realize that a breach would be of no advantage. He waved a careless hand. Make none your wants to Hernandez. He will see to it. There is a spring close to where we landed. Thank you. Besides water, I shall need 200 bullocks, 250 if they're small, and 500 pigs. 200 bullocks and 500 pigs? 200 fat bullocks, also 100 quintals of salt, 40 tons of ship's bread, and if biscuit is unobtainable, I shall need the equivalent amount of flour with ovens and fuel to bake it. The juice of uh, 40,000 oranges, lemons, or limes, uh, I can supply the casks. Um, 10 tons of sugar, 5 tons of tobacco, a ton of coffee... And twenty tons of potatoes will suffice. Captain, what you ask is impossible. General, see that the captain's wants are satisfied. But I begin now. Certainly, Supremo. That is the only way to deal with such people. They are no better than beasts. You doubtless saw criminals suffering punishment on your way here. I did. Many. Yes. They are incapable of understanding the simplest things. There are some who do not understand the obvious fact that my blood must be divine. They still cling to their old beliefs. <clears throat> my divinity, of course, is not a matter of opinion, but of fact. Your King George must have been delighted to hear that I had decided to act in concert with him. He, uh, uh, he desired me to assure you of his friendship. Of course. He would not presume further. The blood of his family cannot compare with that of an Alvarado. Uh, <clears throat> I find it satisfactory that you agree with me, Captain... Uh, Captain... Hornblower. Oh, thank you. We will now discuss the plans for the extension of my empire. I felt I must agree with this madman, at least until my ship was revittled, though my hopes of a successful rebellion under him receded. He droned interminably on, explaining his divine origins. More recently, he said he'd sent a note to the Captain General of Nicaragua demanding that individual's submission. The Captain General had hanged the messenger publicly and had sent men to take Don Julian. Some of those men were killed on the road. Some died while attached to stakes, and a few were fortunate enough to see the light and are now in my army. The Captain General is now at the head of his army of 300 men in the city of El Salvador. With your weapons, I shall move on this town, which I shall burn, together with the Captain General and any of his men who remain unenlightened. Perhaps you will accompany me. A burning town is worth seeing. My ship must be revittled first. Uh, further, I must attain the whereabouts of a Spanish ship called the Natividad. Uh, she must not be permitted to take my ship while I'm engaged on land. Then you had better capture her. Yes. I understand that she may be sailing into the bay at any moment. What? Well, then I must get back to my ship at once.
I left him there, a mad king upon an insubstantial throne. Again the horses, the escort, the mountain road, the moaning prisoners, and those who would moan no more. But this time under a young moon which showed the Lydia swinging to her anchor in the bay far below. My boat was waiting when we reached the strand. Hearty to relieve to see you. Ah, thank you, Mr. Bush. I hope you enjoy your conversation with John Julian, sir. Uh, uh, we had some conversation. I have maintained all precautions on board against surprise, sir. Very good, Mr. Bush. I'm going below. Uh, call me if there's anything to justify it. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, pardon me, sir. I wondered, well, uh, <coughs> I uh, hope your dress proved suitable to the occasion, sir. I looked down at my white breeches, soiled and stained by the dirty saddle. Oh, thank you, Mr. Bush. Uh, <clears throat> my dress was well enough. Call all hands. Feet to quarters. Run out the guns. Stand by this tavern battery. One broadside into her, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Linstock's ready. Aye, aye, sir. Ready. Presenting Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's Indomitable Man of the Sea, Horatio Hornblower. of shame at my temporary dependence on the mad Don Julian, who believed himself a divine being and above the laws of men. While I waited, I considered my best course of action. There was a chance that the Spanish ship might come in from sea, in which case, with half my crew ashore, I would be in a hopeless case. On the other hand, I had lookouts aloft and I was frantic to secure stores, lest Don Julian's rebellion should come to a sudden and bloody ending. My respects, Senor Capitan. There are 400 cattle awaiting your orders, Captain. My men are driving onto the beach. Good. The sugar is ready at El Supremo's mill. With regard to the tobacco, which special kind do you prefer? Well, for some time, we, we've only been rolling cigars for our own consumption. I was hard put to it to suppress my delight at the mention of cigars. It was three months since I'd seen one. My men used Virginia pigtail twist, but that would be unobtainable on this coast. 
I waved a careless hand. Well, send as many cigars as will be convenient to you and, uh, well, such other tobaccos you have on hand. Si, senor. Uh, the coffee, vegetables, and eggs will be easy. But uh, with regard to the bread, uh, Your Excellency will forgive me, but in this country we have only maize. Uh, there is a little wheat grown in the Tierra Templada, but it rests in the hands of the unenlightened. Uh, would maize flour suffice? Well, this is serious. English sailors are unaccustomed to maize flour. <laughs> I know, Your Excellency, but I can only obtain wheat flour by fighting for it. And I know that El Supremo would not like me to fight at present. El Supremo will be angry. Well, well I'll, I'll agree to use maize flour, but uh, to make up for it, I shall require something else. Uh-huh. I want drink for my men. Is there uh, wine here or any ardent spirit? The people on this coast, sir, drink an ardent spirit with which you are perhaps not acquainted. Oh, sir. It is distilled from the waste of the sugar mills from treacle, Your Excellency. From? By him. Uh, <clears throat> yes, senor. Would that be of any use to you? Uh, uh, I shall accept it in lieu of anything better. In fact, of course, my heart was leaping with joy. It would appear a miracle to my officers that I should cleanse a rum and tobacco from this volcano-ridden coast. Ah, thank you, senor. And uh, shall we begin to slaughter the cattle now? This was a decision I'd been postponing ever since I'd heard of the arrival of the cattle. I tested the sea breeze. It was not nearly so strong as yesterday. And the weaker the breeze, the less chance of the Natividad coming in to interrupt the revittling. I took the plunge. Uh, very well, senor. We, uh, we will start now. of meat, and on board the purser and his crew toiled like slaves in the roasting heat, cramming the brine barrels with meat. Sacks of flour, anchors of rum, bales of tobacco. The hands sweated as they swayed these things up from the boats. The Lydia was gorging herself full. And in return, I kept my side of the bargain. Mr. Bush, you may release the muskets and kegs of powder and shot which we brought for Don Julian. You send it ashore. Hernandez will arrange its transport then. Aye, aye, sir. And then, on the second evening, as I walked the quarterdeck looking forward to my dinner of roast fowl, reveling in the thought that I was now free of the land for another six months if necessary, I heard a sound from the shore which filled me with horror. You put those muskets down! What are you? Mr. Galbraith! You're in command here. What's the meaning of this? Sir, I, I don't exactly know. They've been torturing a poor devil up there, sir. Lashed into a spa, left him to die of thirst. Harris! Galbraith, I address you. I don't know how it began, sir. A party came running back from up there. They had Smith with them, wounded. He's dead now. Yeah, if another man speaks without orders, I'll have him in irons. Mr. Galbraith, 
I saw they were going to attack us, so I had the Marines fired. Oh, did you? I'll speak to you later, Mr. Gobraith. You, Jenkins, you, Poole. What were you doing up there? You knew the order that no one was to go beyond the creek? Tomorrow morning, I'll show you what orders mean. As I spoke, I heard a horse galloping up. It was Hernandez, riding as fast as he could. As Hernandez slid from his horse, I turned on him. Did El Supremo give orders for this attack on my men? No, Capitan. I think he will not be too pleased with you when I tell him of it. Your men tried to release a man condemned to death. That does not permit your men to kill mine. The inhabitants are angry and discontented. The whole country has been swept to find food for you. The criminal was condemned to death for driving his pigs into the country so that they should not be given to you. It was a delicate situation. I was anxious to be conciliatory if I could do so without angering my men. And I was about to lead Hernandez aside and soften my tone when... A sheep! A sheep is coming! Where is the sheep? Ah. Your Excellency, this man has been watched from the mountain. Yes? From there he could see the sails of a ship coming towards the bay. He says he has often seen the Natividad and he's sure it is the same ship. How far off is she? A cable Ah! He says a long way, seven leagues or more. She's coming from the direction of Panama. Mr. Galbraith? Sir? Get your men aboard with all expedition. My compliments to Lieutenant Bush and desire him to clear for action and beat hands to quarters. Aye, aye, sir. A stream of plans and ideas was flooding my mind. I estimated that with the land breeze, the Natividad could be in the bay by midnight. On the other hand, I knew the Spanish habit of snugging down for the night and of not attempting any complicated piece of seamanship unless absolutely necessary. I wished I knew more about the Spanish captain. Tell me, senor, has this ship often come into this bay? Yes, senor, often. Is sir, captain a good seaman? A very good seaman, sir. landsman's opinion of seamanship was not worth much, but still, it was an indication. I was still uncertain what to do. If I went to sea and engaged the Natividad on open water, the two ships might well batter each other into wrecks, rigging and spars, hulls and sails. I should suffer casualties which I could not replace here in the Pacific. I should expend priceless ammunition. Yet if I stayed in the bay and the plan I had in mind did not succeed, I should have to beat my way out of the bay against the breeze in the morning, presenting the Spaniard with every advantage. The Natividad's size and superiority of guns were already such as to make the outcome of such a battle hazardous. Yet the possible gains of remaining in the bay were so enormous that I took my decision. I would run the risk. no sail, lest a gleam of canvas become visible to the distant ship at sea. 
launch and cutter were towing the ship, sounding as they went into the deep water at the foot of the island which marked the entrance of the bay. Manguera Island, it was called. I found myself pacing my tiny cabin, though it would be at least four hours before the Natividad could reach the entrance of the bay. I checked myself furiously. I must show the ship that I could face uncertainty with indifference. All we are. Compliments to Mr. Bush and tell him that if he can spare Mr. Galbraith, Mr. Clay, and Mr. Savage from their duties, I'd be glad if they'd sup with me and have a hand of whist. <laughs> well, I think, gentlemen, it's almost time we went on deck. The rubber would not be over if Mr. Savage had paid attention to the score. At the eighth trick, he should have played his ace of hearts instead of risking the finesse. I grant that the finesse had been successful. Had it been, it would have uh, won him two more tricks. But... Is that you, sir? Yes, Mr. Bush. Is all well? It's infernally dark. Yes, sir, but you can see her when your eyes get used to it. She's still heading for the bay. Everyone's at his post, sir. Mm. And now, until the last moment, everything must be done with as much silence as possible. Send the hands aloft ready to set sail. Aye, aye, sir. Bosun, hands aloft. Quietly, if you value your life. I hurried forward along the gangway, past the forecastle carronades with their crews crouching round them, and swung myself over onto the bowsprit. I could see round the corner of the island. Natividad was heading straight for me. I could almost hear the sound of her passage through the water. I heard the voice of the man at the lead. I could hear the voices of her crew, all jabbering and nobody looking out well enough to see our spars. And then, the moment I was waiting for, orders for the Natividad to go about. This was the time. From my pocket, I drew my silver whistle and blew. Start again as the Lydia surged forward. Well, uh, steady. Steady, dear sir. Water a little. Water a little, sir. Right, sir. Water, sir. Hard as starboard. Hard as starboard, dear sir. The Natividad had no time to gather way upon her new course before we came leaping out of the blackness and rasped alongside her. Months of drill bore fruit in that moment. Discipline crew could hardly have stood the shock. 
Yet some of the officers were hardy souls. They drew their swords and made a stand. On the lower deck, the Spanish seamen were gathering together in the darkness to defend the hatchways when the second part of my plan came into operation. The two boats full of men, which I dispatched before we engaged, had prized open the lower deck ports of the Spaniards' port side, and now they came swarming in. The other Captain Holbrook, I have accepted surrender in your name. Thank you, Mr. Bush. Bring the officers aboard the Lydia. Men were happy. They would each get at least 25 guineas as their share of prize money for the Natividad. They were already spending it in imagination. But while the rejoicing went on, I was considering my next step. The immediately pressing problem was what to do with the Natividad, and especially its crew. I couldn't bear the thought of handing them over to that cold-blooded madman who called himself El Supremo. Although I was pledged to assist him in his rebellion against the Spanish rule, I felt no desire to assist him in mass murder. However, my next move was decided for me by the arrival of Hernandez from the shore. Capitan, El Supremo wishes to see you at once. My boat is waiting. addressing me, do not use the expression, senor. As I told you, I am divine. You may call me El Supremo. I believe that in your own language, that term means the Almighty. It is hardly sufficient to describe my divinity, but it will suffice. I could only bow. I dare not trust myself to speak. He was quite unconscious of having said anything at all remarkable. The navigating officers are still alive? Yes, uh, uh, Supremo. Then I will take the Natividad into my service. I will kill the executive officers and replace them with my own. The others and the common sailors will serve me. I had to think quickly. The Natividad is the prize of my king. Perhaps he would not be pleased if I let her go. He would certainly be displeased if he knew you had offended me. I have noticed before, Captain Hornblower, that you have verged upon disrespect towards me, and I have been mild enough to attribute it to your foreign breeding. 
aside to think England would lose a fine frigate and a fine opportunity. I realized that I must sacrifice my prize money and flatter this autocrat a little longer. But I was determined to preserve my prisoners' lives. I am sure it is my foreign breeding which is to blame, Supremo, but... Well, how could it possibly be imagined that I could be lacking in respect to El Supremo? The ship is yours. Ah. General Hernandez, make arrangements for 500 men to go abroad the ships at noon. I will sail with them, and so will you. Certainly, Supremo. Is the Lydia to have the honor of carrying El Supremo to La Libertad? Uh, my crew would greatly appreciate the distinction. Naturally, they would. So I left the great Don Julian and hurried back down the mountain. Once I had him aboard the Lydia, I was confident of being able to deal with him more easily. My officers were waiting to receive me when I rode out to the ship. Mr. Bush, sir, kindly instruct my steward to put out my best uniform and make ready the after cabin for a state dinner for eight people at six bells. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, in case your guests should require a salute, sir, may I ask their rank? You may, Mr. Bush. Uh, <clears throat> we are entertaining the Almighty. The Almighty. Michael Redgrave is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Lynn stops ready. Aye, aye, sir. Ready. Fire. Presenting Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's indomitable man of the sea, Horatio Hornblower.
enough to look back and smile at this distance of time. But as I paced my quarter deck in the burning sun on that morning long ago, I was far from smiling. So as not to imperil my mission, I'd been obliged to turn over the Natividad to the madman Don Julian, who called himself Divine, Almighty, El Supremo. Now he was coming aboard to murder my prisoners, the Spanish officers. I was determined to save them, at least. Come here, you. Are you the Spanish sailing master? Si, senor. Uh, what is that image beside the taffrail there? It's it, 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 it of the virgin and child, senor. Throw it overboard. But wait, senor. I prefer to have the pleasure myself. So, now, which is the youngest of your mates? I am, senor. Very well. You will hold up your hand and declare your disbelief in any other divine lord than our gracious El Supremo. Up with your hand. Good. Now, repeat after me. I swear... I... I swear... Well, no. No, senor. No, I cannot. I dare not. No. Then we shall not meet you, shall we? Lieutenant Farios. Colonel. Throw that overboard. No. The next man. You swear your disbelief. further trouble from the officers. They took the new oath one by one, as indeed they must. Then de Crespo spoke to the crew, a mixed collection of Spaniards, Chinese, Negroes, Indians. Sweeping Spaniards from the Dominion of America. Within a year, the whole of the land from Mexico to Peru will be at his feet. There will be an end of Spanish misrule, of brutal domination, of slavery in mine and thieves. There will be land for everybody. Freedom and happiness under El Supremo. You can join us all. The alternative you have seen. Now, who is for El Supremo? I am. I am too. Thank you too, Captain. I think there is no more need for your prize crew now. Should any insubordination arise later, I shall be able to deal with it. I'm quite sure you will. Mr. Gerard, you will order your crew to withdraw and return to the Lydia. As my boat bore me back to my ship, I reflected bitterly on the murder of the Spanish master's mate. But there was nothing I could have done. At all costs, I must not fall out with Supremo or his followers while my orders remained uncompleted. As I reached my own deck, the boom of a gun from the Natividad was answered by one from the Lydia. A new flag was flying from the peak of the Natividad, blue with a yellow star in the middle. Fire six! <laughs> if I hadn't been born a ruddy fool, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> Fire seven! I left for you everything that's dear.
Supremo came riding down to the beach with his ragged retinue. And I met him there. As we rode out to the Lydia, I ran my eye over the ship to see that all was ready to receive our ally with full military formality. But before he mounted the ladder, he remarked, The correct salute for me, Captain, is 23 guns. Mr. Bush, uh, pass the word to Mr. Marsh for 23 guns. Don't look so stricken, Mr. Bush. It's two more than His Majesty himself receives. It's entirely meaningless. Uh, Aye, sir. Dinner will be served shortly, El Supremo. Would you care to come below? I will dine here, alone. Let the food be brought to me. The misery and embarrassment of our makeshift dinner in the gun room, into which we crowded with Supremo's retinue, was mercifully cut short by the arrival of the officer of the watch. I beg pardon, sir, but there's a messenger from the shore. I can't understand a word he says. Oh, very well, I'll come on deck. Um, I think you'd better accompany me, Mr. Bush. Thank you, sir. Last uh, load, thank heaven. Never seen such a damnable murderous gang of cutthroats in my life. Soldiers, they call them. I give a week's back. He don't know what that captain's up to. Eh, he don't stand what he's standing from this supreme of another. Oh, here we are. They're alongside. Come on, Ansem, up that ladder. Up the ladder, I say. We aren't sitting here all day. Lord, he's as awkward as a powder monkey. Look out, he's lost his old stand from under. Ah! Time, time to go swimming, is it? Taught me. 
I do not understand you, Captain. Uh, allow me to demonstrate. Um, uh, Harvey, come here. I'm here, sir. You have displeased El Supremo, Harvey, which means uh, <coughs> death. I give you permission to go. P permission to... Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you kindly, sir. of Supremo was so colossal that it apparently never occurred to him that Harvey was probably the finest diver and swimmer in the British Navy. Yes, 
Everything appears to be in order. Senor? Greetings to our new allies. I am proud to be serving with Spain against the Corsican tyrant. Thank you, Captain. We were very much afraid lest you should fall in with the Natividad before you heard the news, because she has not heard it either. Uh, in that case, I'm afraid your fine frigate would have come to serious harm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it. Uh, bring the prisoners up from the cable tier, quickly. Oh, my I regret to have to tell you, senor, that by evil chance, the Natividad met us a week ago. You met the Natividad? I plunged feverishly into an explanation, but it was not easy to tell a Spanish captain that I'd captured a ship twice my power without receiving one shot, nor to explain that the ship was now under the flag of El Supremo. Then, a fresh and harassing aspect of the situation struck him. Something must be done. The Manilla Galleon is at sea. She's due to arrive at Acapulco next month with priceless treasure. The Natividad will intercept her and... Oh, her loss might well bankrupt our government. Very well, sir. My duty is plain. I will take my ship back to fight the Natividad. Thank you, Captain. You will call at Panama first to consult the Viceroy? Yes. Then I will bid you goodbye for the time being. If I reach Panama first, I will arrange your welcome. Thank you, sir. You see, Mr. Bush, the situation is complicated. That's your fault, sir. After all, you've only obeyed your admiralty orders. The Lords of the Admiralty will not allow such a small point to influence their opinion of a captain and his officers, who are the cause of such trouble, Mr. Bush. Uh, I feel you're right, sir. However, there's another and more pressing matter. Lady Barbara Wellesley is at Panama and desires a passage in the Lydia to Europe. Sir, how could we carry such a lady in the Lydia? Uh, A frigate is hardly equipped for comfort. That is what I shall have to point out to the lady. Now, if she has the normal Wellesley blood in her, I suspect I shall be wasting my time. I was soon to have an opportunity of finding out at first hand. We sailed into the roadstead of Panama the next morning. There's a lady about, sir. An English lady, I think. Wants to go aboard, sir. Uh, <clears throat> she seems disinclined to wait for permission, it seems. We shall uh, take no action, Mr. Bush. Mm-hmm. One of those masculine women. No real woman would catch and climb a rope ladder like that. Besides, what's an English woman doing in Panama without a male escort? Mr. Midshipman, please be so good as to have my luggage brought up out of the boat. Oh, well, well the, there's the captain, madam. Yes, so I see. But please have my luggage brought up while I speak to him. I faced an internal struggle. I disliked the aristocracy. I could not forget that as a doctor's son, I had had to touch my hat to the local squire. Yet it would be foolish for a poverty-stricken frigate captain with no influence to offend a member of such a family as the Wellesley's. For the present, I decided on icy formality. Are you the captain of this ship, sir? Captain Hornblower, at your service, ma'am. Well, I am Lady Barbara Wellesley. I wrote you a note requesting a passage to England. I trust you received it? I did, ma'am, but I do not think it wise for your ladyship to join this vessel. Please tell me why, sir. Because, ma'am, we shall shortly be in action with the enemy. Also, we shall have to return to England via Cape Horn. Your ladyship uh, would be well advised to make your way to Portobello. From there, you could reach Jamaica and obtain a berth in a West India packet, which is accustomed to female passengers. I have informed you, sir, that there is yellow fever in Portobello. Yes, ma'am, but... A thousand persons died of it last week. That is why I removed to Panama. 
May I ask why your ladyship was in Portobello? Because, sir, the West Indian packet in which I was a female passenger was captured by a Spanish privateer and brought there. I see. I regret, sir, that I cannot tell you the name of my grandmother's cook. But I shall be glad to answer any further questions which a gentleman of breeding would ask. Yes, but, but, but we are going out to fight. To fight a ship of twice our force. It will be dangerous. <laughs> I would rather be on your ship, whomever you have to fight, than to be in Panama with a yellow fever. Uh-huh. Well, what of Cape Horn, ma'am? Well, I have no knowledge of it. But I've twice rounded the Cape of Good Hope during my brother's governor generalship, and I have never yet been seasick. Uh-huh. Well, soon, Captain, I will come to think that I shall be unwelcome aboard. I can hardly imagine that a gentleman holding the King's commission would be discourteous to a woman, especially to a woman with my name. I uh, was only doing my duty, ma'am, in pointing out the dangers to which you will be exposed. For myself, uh, nothing would give me <clears throat> greater pleasure than your presence. to Lady Barbara. If I offended this lady, I might, well, never command the ship again. My wife and I might rot on half pay for the rest of our lives. I was 37 and not more than one-eighth of the way up the captain's list. The goodwill at the Wellingsleys might enable me to reach flag rank. Begging your pardon, ma'am, but your luggage is aboard. Oh, thank you. Be so kind as to give this to the boat. But, ma'am, uh, there will be no room in your cabin for a tenth of that luggage. I am aware of that, sir. I have dwelt in a cabin before. That sea chest will hold all I require. The rest can be put where you will. And now, may I see my cabin? Well, you see, your ladyship, a frigate has few of the luxuries of an Indiaman. I was just thinking that it was scandalous that a king's officer should be given such quarters. And as I left to pay my call on the Viceroy... Where shall I serve her ladyship's dinner, sir? I don't know, Push. Ask her, Blast you. Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.